Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Chelsea McLaughlin. And I'm Laura Brodnick. And you didn't want to talk about this, but I'm going to throw you under the bus. You are looking very Barbie core today. Oh, don't say. I mean, look, I am a basic bitch millennial, so obviously I'm going to lean into the Barbie core. It's literally just a pink blazer. Okay, but you every day come in with a red lip, and today you've got a pink lip. And I just feel that's something worth mentioning. You know, this is an audio (laughs) format, but just painting a picture of how beautiful you look in your Barbie core. Thank you. I didn't think Barbie core was going to be what this blazer was, but here we are. Only because I had to do an interview that's coming out in our other podcast, The Quickie, sometime this week, potentially tomorrow, about the new Barbie movie and this (laughs) intense... (laughs) I didn't mean to. And this kind of intense drive to nostalgia that we have at the moment for those 90s, 80s, Things. And then I finished doing that and then I was grabbed my bag to like run out the door, looked in the mirror, noticed that I was wearing pink and I was like, for fuck's sake. And you're like, hi Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of nostalgia, actually, Katie Holmes has done a new interview with Glamour magazine. And look, there's not actually a lot there other than the photos, which we have to talk about because they are brilliant. But it's the reaction to the interview, which is really interesting. So we'll talk about that soon. But first, the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. Well, it's the news we've all been waiting for, at least if you're super interested and invested in the royal family, and that's that Prince Harry has confirmed that he will attend his father, King Charles' coronation on May 6th. So obviously with everything that's happened over the last few years with Prince Harry and Meghan wait, Markle, stuff, wait, has stuff has happened. I know you're the biggest royal Ooh. fan around, so you're super invested in this with all the allegations and them stepping away from being working royals, but particularly off the back of Prince Harry's memoir. I think that was kind of like the nail in the coffin of the royal family's facade that they were beloved members and everything was okay. There was a lot of speculation that they wouldn't attend or that they would attend and it would cause a huge spectacle. But now in an official statement from Buckingham Palace, they've said that the Duke of Sussex will attend the coronation service at Westminster Abbey, but the Duchess of Sussex will remain in California with Prince Archie and Princess Lilibet. It (laughs) kills me that that is her name. It's so wild. A lot of people are speculating that the public response they're putting forward is the fact that it's Archie's birthday that weekend Mm -hmm. and Meghan Markle needs to build him like one of those balloon arch that she built for the last birthday and he Mm -hmm. can't be there. One of the reasons I 100% know it's Archie's birthday is that it's also oh. my birthday. Oh, I suspect so, <laughs> some some sass in that. Well, no, a few years ago, Prince Archie stole my birthday <laughs> because, you know, it's all hands on deck when a royal baby's born. Uh-huh. And now King Charles is not only messing with mm. Archie by having his coronation 
on his grandson's birthday and stealing his thunder, but he's also stealing my birthday thunder and I'm just putting out that I'm not working that weekend to any editors. Neither am I. I'm on leave. I've never been happier about anything. Exactly. So if you're invested, Prince Harry is going to be there. I don't think he'll be part of the formal proceedings, but I'm sure there'll be some drama for us to talk about nonetheless. Well, speaking of British people called Harry, (laughs) it's official. A Harry Potter TV series is coming. You're a wizard, Harry. So this announcement today was made in tandem with the news that HBO Max and Discovery Plus are merging in the US to create just Max. Feels like a terrible idea. But the new Harry Potter series will be one of its major offerings. The adaptation will feature a brand new cast playing the characters Harry, Ron, Hermione, all of them. And it's already been given a massive 10-year commitment. It's believed that each of J.K. Rowling's books will get its own season, sort of meaning there's a lot more space here for the show to include things that didn't make it into the films. Obviously, this is a controversial move from the position of, you know, the Harry Potter films are not that old and they're also still very relevant. Yeah, they also weren't that good. That's my personal opinion. Like, I love the books. The movies always felt very watered down, but uh, people still love them and it's hard because the cast is still very much Mm. in the public eye as those characters to an extent. But, I mean, it's all about money, isn't it? This is going to make them so much money. Everyone's going to tune in to watch it. There's so much storytelling that was left out of the movies that could be incorporated into a TV series. It's actually such a smart move on their behalf. For sure. But of course, there's also the JK Rowling of it all. So the author will be an executive producer on the series. So she is going to be heavily involved. And obviously, over the past few years, she has become perhaps best known for her anti-trans viewpoints, which she regularly expresses on Twitter and the like. During today's announcement, the HBO chief, Casey Bloys, refused to discuss this, simply saying, I don't think this is the forum. That's a very online conversation, very nuanced and complicated and not something we're going to get into. I think that's a huge cop out, to be fair. I do too. Saying it's an online conversation, I think, is really minimizing the harm Mm -hmm. that has come from what J.K. Rowling has been speaking about so vocally over the last couple of years and the huge roll-on effect it's had to the trans community and their allies and the conversations it started and ultimately has put more lives in danger and damaged mental health. And it's a hard thing because, I mean, it's obviously not a hard thing to say that J.K. Rowling is despicable and has really gone down a path that is very harmful. But I think because any Wizarding World IP that's used at all, Mm -hmm. the money goes back to her. Mm -hmm. There's no way around that. So I understand that she has to get paid for her role, but they have done Harry Potter things in the past, like the reunion where she wasn't on screen or anything like that. So you could have her just receiving her money because there's no way around that, but not have her involved in the production but the fact that she's an executive producer no one from the trans community or their allies or any kind of human being with a bit of a soul is going to be able to really watch this and enjoy it in the same way they've enjoyed Harry Potter content in the past and I know I just said that everyone's going to watch it it's going to be one of those weird things where like everyone watches it because they want to see it and it's so famous and it will make so much money but there's a real cloud over it that potentially could have been a little bit avoided if they hadn't made her a producer. I agree. And like, I genuinely love the source material. Like, I grew up with Harry Potter, read the books multiple times. The books are excellent. There's no way around that. Like, they just are. Exactly. But I just think, as a fan of the source material, I don't want this. You know, like, Harry Potter is huge millennial culture, right? And like, 
I love Daniel Radcliffe and what's his name? Ron Weasley. Rupert Grint. <laughs> Rupert Grint's like, I'm oh my so, God. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Rupert. And, you know, Emma Watson and they are those characters. And I think this is already a clusterfuck of discourse. And if you think about bringing into the fold a whole bunch of 11-year-old children and throwing them into this, like, it's just going to be horrible from all sides. You're going to have people that are obviously against J.K. Rowling, as I am personally, but you're also going to have, you know, she's got this huge, like, anti-woke fan club now, right? Right? Yeah. You're going to tune into this. So anything that's sort of, you know, if they change the casting in any way, anything like that, it's just going to be an absolute mess, a fire, and everyone's just going to be so angry and, oh, we don't need it. But HBO, see the dollar signs. And also there will be a new generation of kids coming up who maybe potentially haven't read the books mm. and the movies are older and it's going to kind of tap into that new fandom. And I think a lot of people will tune in just to see what it's like and having these big properties like them reimagining Game of Thrones and bringing back mm-hmm. and just like that, like they're really going hardcore on the nostalgia and people coming back for their favourite characters, even if they're against it. So that's the thing that's going to make so much money. Hi, I'm Katie Holmes, and I'm here for my Glamour cover shoot. So Katie Holmes is Glamour Magazine's new cover star, and the reason I know this is because when I woke up this morning, my entire Instagram feed was assaulted by images of Katie Holmes. <laughs> You know, in like some crazy outfits, dancing, jumping around. And I welcomed it because I love Katie Holmes, but there was just a lot of content promoting this glamour cover story. And once you read the cover story, you realize that there's so many funny photos and like dancing videos because there's nothing in the actual (laughs) interview, which we're going to get to. So it's called For Katie Holmes, It's Always Been About the Work. And the interview is done by journalist Perry Semerton. So it starts off with the whole celebrity thing. We met in a cafe Mm. and it was so warm and she hugged me. And I know I'm sounding like a jerk, to be honest. No, but that's how they all begin. Yeah. And like, it's nice. Like, I don't want to hear that Katie Holmes (laughs) walked into a diner and slapped a journalist across (laughs) the face or anything although you know Honestly, maybe this might be controversial i kind of want that. i would read that too i'd feel you know i feel about celebrities behaving badly but that whole thing of like felt like we know each other forever yeah. she's so warm she's just like the other girls kind of vibes mm-hmm. and the interesting part of the interview well really one of the only interesting parts was when perry tried to ask her about that viral fashion moment from a few months ago where she went to the jingle ball in new york i'm sure everyone knows these pictures of katie mm-hmm. holmes it's burnt and into my brain it looked like she had a dress over jeans and it went viral and there are all these think pieces the New York Times covered it we covered <laughs> on the spill obviously because you know we are the New York Times of the podcasting world everyone debating <laughs> whether the trend should come back and it's interesting because the journalist goes in hard showing Katie Holmes at the beginning of this interview all of the really negative articles and press clippings about it and Katie is quite shocked and doesn't even want to go down the path and shuts down any fashion questions by saying like come on, women, let's hold each other up. Let's look past what we're wearing. There's a duty amongst each other. I feel like the woman's journey is deeper. (laughs) And just then, so then the journalist writes, and so the book is closed on Busseter Gate, and I make a game-time decision to scrap my admittedly dumb question about the response to that look compared with all the fawning we did over 2019's equally viral cashmere cardigan bra moment. Do you remember that? Yeah. She's hailing a cab. That's actually fabulous. On the streets. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Hailing a cab on the streets of New York and she's got a cashmere cardigan that slipped down to reveal her bra in matching cashmere. Mm-hmm. Like, just a beautiful moment. Okay, so I read this quote and I was like, it's not that serious. Yeah. Like, Come on, it's a bit earnest for me. Although I do think going at it with the negative response is probably not the best way to go around it. 
but also Glamour, like it's evolved in the last few years, but Glamour at its heart is like a fashion magazine. Yeah. Like fashion is one of its tenets. So yeah. so asking a person who used to have a fashion label, yeah. like Katie Holmes used to have a fashion label, she goes to a lot of fashion shows, she walks red carpets, it's not out of the realm. I think starting with the negative yeah. was the issue. So getting to the rest of the article, and look, I do feel a bit bad for saying before that there's nothing in the article because, you know, she's directing a movie. That's amazing. She talks about directing the movie, which is a very fair point. You know, that's what she's doing press mm. for. She talks about her past acting roles. She's done a lot of theatre, which every time those articles like Katie Holmes has disappeared from the spotlight, where did she go? She's just on Broadway. She's just on Broadway <laughs> doing an actual play, like working every yeah. night out on stage. I also thought she very graciously answered a lot of Dawson's Creek questions because I know that must be tiring at this stage of the game, but she kind of gave some really thoughtful responses to how much impact the show had had, particularly in terms of having a gay character and all that sort of stuff. So that's all in there. What I thought was interesting is the reaction to this because every time Katie Holmes does any kind of press or has a viral moment, there's a very strong public reaction to her doing something just very simple. Mm. So in this, she's an actress who's promoting a movie and she's done a very kind of normal cover story, you know, like pretty nice average. Mm. And the reaction is very much like, you go, Katie, you show him, like you have your moment. And it's almost like everyone wants Katie Holmes to have this very intense revenge arc. And so much of it is stemming from her relationship with Tom Cruise. Which was so long ago at this point. I was thinking about this and I was like, one, I think it's because she's a bit of a blank slate so we can kind of project that on her and create a narrative around her, which may not actually exist because she's not going to tell us either way. But also I think it's because Tom Cruise is a really easy villain yeah, because of the Scientology of it all. And also, you know, he jumped on a couch and he did all these ridiculous things. And so it's kind of easy to root, not necessarily for her because of her, but also mainly just because it's against him. I think that is why people are so invested in being like, yeah, you go, Katie, like stick it to the man. It's like she's just living her life. It's not actually related to something that happened a decade ago or however bloody long ago. But we like to draw this line because we kind of – don't like Tom Cruise. It's interesting that you said that though, because I feel like Tom Cruise is an interesting like villain in Vercomers yeah. because in one way he's still very much like the king of Hollywood. Like I think especially Top Gun Maverick really brought him back into being this beloved movie star. Mm. But even before that, with all the Mission Impossible movies, because they do so well at the box office, I think he's been able to like weirdly cling on to his movie star status while also having this side storyline about there's some terrible allegations against him and Scientology and Suri Cruz gets brought up in this article only very lightly because you can see that Katie Holmes has very strict caveats around press that she doesn't talk about any relationships she doesn't talk about Tom Cruise she barely touches on Suri at all and it seems like she's been really clear about not doing that Mm -hmm. She does say in the article that Suri has like sung on her past soundtracks for movies and she sings on this one and that she like loves her and all that, you know, really sweet stuff Mm. and that she hopes she'll always be involved in her movies, which is kind of something she hasn't spoken about before. And so all the headlines today are Katie Holmes speaks out about raising Suri on her own, which she didn't say. (laughs) I also think it's interesting that like even with all the Brooke Shields stuff around at the moment that Tom Cruise is still not being villainized really because she's talking about like her life and she's got a memoir and Tom Cruise really publicly called her out for taking drugs for postpartum depression and really tried to villainize her. Yeah. And that's out in the world again and everyone's like, nah, Tom. I know. Crazy guy. It's like a cartoon villain. Like we see him as sort of this cartoon villain and not like – 
a really like menacing villain. Yeah. I think it's a weird distinction, and I wonder if it is because his stuff is more around this large, very hard to understand religion. Yeah. Rather than like, I know he said some terrible things, and you know he's a bit weird, but he's not menacing I think it's more like mohoho and rather than yeah. like I'm not gonna do a real villain laugh but you know what I mean I'm trying to yeah. just like cartoony yeah exactly and it's interesting like it's stuck to Nicole Kidman a bit mm. uh, in terms of that people really want to know what happened with her and Tom Cruise and Scientology and the two kids they had together but I guess maybe because she's very publicly married with two other kids and is working so much and does so many red carpets and interviews that we don't assign her this victim mentality that has somehow been assigned to Katie Holmes. And I just find it's very infantilizing for Katie Holmes whenever she does, like, you know, those nice pat pictures of her wearing that bra and cardigan. Mm. Like, you know, a really cool fashion moment. But everyone being like, yeah, she's showing him, like, she's got her revenge. Every time she poses on a red carpet with a new boyfriend or is caught, I can't remember his name, the chef that she was, like, making out all over New York Mm. and there were so many pictures and everyone was like, yeah, she's had the last laugh. And even with this magazine cover, like, it's literally just a nice magazine cover a few nice quotes you know a very pretty photo very kind of not setting the world on fire which I think is her intention because she's very off social media very guarded Mm. and the narrative around it is still that we want Katie Holmes to get her revenge maybe just because that's a good story and I think Nicole because of the marriage and I know that like it sucks, but we still see women in relation to the men in their lives, yes. right? And Katie Holmes' relationships are not as public as Nicole Kidman's have been. The Jamie Foxx one was quite long, but they kept themselves really, really low-key. Yeah. And I think we still assign Katie to Tom in a gross, misogynistic, patriarchal way. Like 17 years yeah. or something like that since they've been together. I know it as absolutely wild. So anyway, we will link the Glamour article in the show notes if you'd like to have a read. There is some interesting stuff in there about, you know, her directing a movie and her career so you know I'd say read that not just kind of go into the victim blaming we'd be keen to know your thoughts well thank you so much for listening to The Spill today this episode of The Spill was produced by Laura Brodnick and Gia Moylan with audio production by Rhiannon Mooney we'll see you on mamamia.com.au and on The Spill Instagram see ya bye (laughs)